So when you hear that cry in the sky... Hi, folks. The program originally canceled for this time will now be heard. Better McGee and Molly! Well, hello. Come right in. Oh, George, we've got company. Well, it's Tuesday night again. Time for another pleasant visit with George Burns and Gracie Allen. Ladies and gentlemen, after ten years, radio gets its revenge. We now present a program that will scare Orson Welles. <laughs> From Hollywood, Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose and his orchestra, The Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. And now, here is your guide to these adventures of the mind... There is someone waiting who will hurry up and rescue you this morning. OCR Now, here is OCR Here, Dr. Gamble wrote down a piece of paper, so I... Oh, here it is. Al Darling. Al Darling? Hmm. I bet he carries his lunch in a knitting bag. <laughs> Al Darling. Oh, Mama. Now, don't leap to conclusions, McGee. He probably shaves three times a day. Oh, by the way, I'm glad you mentioned that. Look what I fixed up for him. Never let it be said that I don't cooperate. What is it? My old electric razor. Hmm. I wonder how many women shave with an electric razor. Hmm. I wonder if that would work for a woman. Is there anyone out there who shaves their legs with the electric razor? I'd like to know. Just curious. Anyway, well, Fibber seems to have guessed a little bit. He's pretty close in guessing who Al Darling is. But it's not Al Darling. It's Alice Darling. Played by... Shirley Mitchell. And Ransom Sherman comes on board for Fibber McGee and Molly. I thought he was a great addition to Fibber McGee and Molly. It's too bad they never kept him after uh, his time on the show. I th- thought he would have fit in perfectly. So let's see how this all works out with Fibber McGee and Molly. They're expecting a man, and a man ain't going to show up. <laughs> Enjoy the show, and I'll be back after this with a double dose of Burns and Allen. And I'll explain in the introduction to Burns and Allen what's going on. Enjoy this, Fibber McGee Molly. The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. <laughs> Makers of Johnson's Wax, Johnson's Car New, and Johnson's Self-Polishing Glow Coat present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. Common sense tells us not to accept them as truth, nor help spread them, especially when they concern the war. But there are other kinds of rumors about individual companies that often need to be corrected. You may have been told, for instance, that you can't get Johnson's Wax or Johnson's Glow Coat because the company isn't making these products anymore. Well, it is a fact that the makers of Johnson's Wax have been turning out millions of packages of protective finishes for war uses, and they're proud to be doing so. But without interfering with that important job, they're also able to make good quantities of the products you know so well, such as Glow Coat, Cream Wax, Carnew, and Johnson's Paste and Liquid Wax. Every dealer gets his share of these products, though not always all that he asks for. 
He tries to keep you and his other customers supplied with Johnson's wax polishes of all kinds. Because it's so important these days to keep your floors, furniture, woodwork, and leather goods wax protected. You can make your wax supply last longer by using it sparingly. Remember, a little goes a long way. a little stranger coming to 79 Wistful Vista. But don't send any silver rattles because he's probably six feet tall with his welding mittens on. Yes, the McGee's are about to take in a war worker. And here, cleaning out the spare bedroom and talking on the phone, respectively, we find Fibber McGee and Molly. No, we haven't met him yet, Mrs. Toop. But Dr. Gamble vouches for him, and the two best judges of human nature are doctors and bird dogs. What, Mrs. Toops? <laughs> oh, no, thank you. I know your dog is very intelligent, but we'll just take Dr. Gamble's word for it. Yes. Well, I've got to go help McGee straighten out the spare room, Mrs. Toops. He's, uh... Hey, Molly! Hey, Molly! See you later, Mrs. Toops. Goodbye. Hey, Molly! What's the matter, McGee? Ain't it marvelous? Ain't it wonderful? Oh, boy. Hold down the blackout curtains. Go buy a steak. Tear up the ration books. Woo-hoo! What's the matter with you, McGee? Stop leaping around. Hey, Molly, look. It's happened. It's happened. What's happened? Look. Look at the paper. Look at the paper. Germany surrendered. Oh, throw that 1918 paper away and stop clowning. <laughs> oh, 1918. Why, sure. Oh, yeah. I thought this Stutz Bearcat advertisement looked kind of funny. (laughs) Did you get all the junk cleared out of the bedroom? Yeah, but a lot of it wasn't junk. A lot of it was valuable stuff I want to save. What'd you do with the moose head? I did just what she says. I put it in Uncle Dennis's room. But I didn't know what to do with my doorknob collection. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you used to collect the weirdest things, McGee. Doorknobs, oyster forks, and hubcaps. Yeah. I knew a guy once, Fred Nittany from Stark Rock, Illinois. He used to collect hairpins and compacts. Hairpins and compacts? Yeah. Every time Fred's wife would find a hairpin or a compact in his car, Fred would yell, Don't throw that away. That's part of my collection. Fred used to pick them up all over the country. Yeah, I'll <laughs> Now, look, Gary, when Mr., uh, Mr., uh, when the new rumor moves in... Hey, what is his name, anyway? Well, I don't remember, though. It's a very attractive name. Here, Dr. Gamble wrote on a piece of paper, so I... Oh, here it is. Al Darling. Al Darling. Hmm. I'll bet he carries his lunch in a knitting bag. <laughs> Al Darling. Oh, Mama. Now, don't leap to conclusions, McGee. He probably shaves three times a day. Oh, by the way, I'm glad you mentioned that. Look what I fixed up for him. Never let it be said that I don't cooperate. What is it? My old electric razor. I honed the blades and oiled it and put the gears in different, and it works like a charm. Wait, I'll show you. Where's the wall plug? In the wall. Huh? Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> works like a top, don't it? What? I says works like a top, don't it? I can't hear a single word you're saying. What were you saying? I says... I says, don't work, it's pop. Oh. <laughs> Come on, dearie. If Mr. Darling is coming in at four o'clock, we've got to get busy. Mr. Darling, what a moniker. 
I'll bet him and I have many the cozy little chit-chat over our crocheting this winter. <laughs> Swapping recipes for fudge and doing each other's nails. <laughs> I warn you, dearie, don't take too much for granted. I'll bet that he... I wonder why Uncle Dennis came home at this hour. I don't know, but I hope it was insured. You hope what? What was insured? Joe's Tavern. <laughs> Unless Joe's Tavern burned to the ground, Uncle Dennis would never be home at this hour. Now listen, stop it. Uncle Dennis always bends over backwards to be nice to you. Yeah, if that guy ever bent anything but his elbow, he'd be... Oh, oh, no. Oh, no, you're done. Oh, no, you're done. Oh, no. Get away from me. Get away. Leave me alone now. Get away. Get away. Uncle Dennis, oh. what's the matter? Oh, you're as white as a bartender's apron. There's a moose in my room. <laughs> <laughs> a moose. I've seen elephants and zebras and snakes, but God help me, this is the end. I'll never touch another drop as long as I live. A moose it was, huh? sticking his head through the wall. Here I come in thinking about nothing at all, and there he is, a moose. <laughs> You are a Makushla. Makushla. I, I mind the time when I could write me check for any amount you want to name. Well, how Not about... Not too much now. <laughs> well, I was well, just... second thought, I, I don't think I'll write a check at all. At all. 
I'd like to do a cash business. Like I always say, McGee, fella has the chance to pick up a couple of bucks. That's the way. <laughs> Look, Uncle Dennis, we have a new rumor moving in at 4 o'clock. How would you like to help us move some furniture? Now, I can hardly wait to hear the answer to this one. <laughs> the only time Uncle Dennis lifts a finger is to point at an empty glass. You wouldn't say that to my face. I just did say it to your face. Excuse me, I didn't hear it. <laughs> well, now, Molly, darling, I'd, I'd be delighted to help you move the stuff. Delighted. And maybe it'd be a chance to pick up a couple of bucks. <laughs> the thing is ridiculous, ridiculous. I've seen that room and it's perfect. I wouldn't change a thing, no, sir. Just right the way it is. You leave it just the way it is. <laughs> oh, my. Isn't he the old flatterer? He's so full of baloney, they ought to put him on lend lease. <laughs> hey, you know what I did for the new rumor? I put one of my favorite books in his room. What book? Tom Swift and his electric rifle. Oh. I always say that a guy gets half his education out of good books and literature and reading. <clears throat> I remember one time... Never mind, McGee. we got to get busy. Now, look. Take the rug out of the spare room and put it on the back porch. There's a better one roll, uh, rolled up on the shelf in the garage. Oh, I see. Hello, folks. Hey, what's all this talk about you taking in rumors? Well, it's true, Mr. Wilcox. We had a spare room and we knew the town is so crowded with war workers, we didn't have the heart not to let somebody have it. Besides, we can use the extra money to buy a war bond. Yeah, we're getting a guy from an airplane plant, Junior. He'll be handy in case we want to build a wing on the house. <laughs> Would you like to see the uh, room we're fixing up, Mr. Wilcox? It's right back here. Well, if I'd known you were in the market for rumors, my brother Paul is in oh, town now. Oh, no, you don't. We don't want no announcers' brothers living here, Wilcox. Bong, bong, bong. Now leap out of bed, kiddies, and do your exercises. <laughs> and Uncle Paul will tell you where there's a nice present hidden behind the piano. <laughs> now, McGee, be quiet a minute. This is the room, Mr. Wilcox. We're not finished fixing it up yet, but I think it'll be all right. All right. It's wonderful. Nice big closet, comfortable-looking bed, easy chair, smoking stand. What's that thing on the closet door? Necktie rack. I made that in manual training when I was in eighth grade. <laughs> the reason it's so big is on account of what I started out to make was a bookcase. <laughs> Broke a end off of it and decided to make a piano bench. Legs weren't even, so I cut it down to a tabaret. Then it was a magazine stand and a mailbox and a collar button container and a lamp base. I split it trying to stick a wire through it, so I made a necktie rack. <laughs> five or six ties unless you hang them on the part that's glued together. <laughs> oh, I tell you, he's a great little handyman, Mr. Wilcox. <laughs> you just give him a pair of pliers and he can straighten a wire coat hanger in less than a week. <laughs> well, I will say, Molly, that whoever gets this room will have a pleasant place to rest in the arms of Morpheus. There'll be none of that stuff in this house, Junior. <laughs> if he wants to entertain... Oh, be quiet, McGee. <laughs> Any uh, suggestions, uh, Mr. Wilcox? Nary a suggestion, Molly. In fact, if I was rooming here, I'd never want to go to work. I'd sit on the edge of the bed all day long and admire that beautiful linoleum floor. Uh-oh. <laughs> Folks, if any of you want to sneak out for a quick smoke, here's your chance. <laughs> Mr. Wilcox just got off the Pony Express from Racine, Wisconsin, ready to deliver a brief lecture on Johnson's Glowco. Always underfoot, but never in the way. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, ah, Mr. Wilcox. Ha, <laughs> ha,
Don't let him kid you, Mr. Wilcox. There is glow coat on this linoleum. No, I knew that, Molly. Whenever I see a piece of linoleum that sparkles and glistens like that, I know it's been glow coated. I know linoleum, and I know they haven't made that particular pattern for 16 years. But look at it. No scuffed places, no cracks. That goes for you, too, McGee. No cracks. <laughs> and another thing, Molly. When this fellow comes home from the factory with his heavy, dirty shoes, you know the floor is protected against scratches and grit by Johnson's glow coat. Ah, to live in a room with the warm, vibrant charm. The handsome, gleaming, spotless luster of a lovely, lovely piece of glow-coated linoleum. Ah, lucky war worker. Having his life enriched and renewed with the soul-satisfying, heartwarming beauty spread before him from wall to wall. <laughs> to return home in the gloaming, hungry for another glimpse of the glistening floor. Leaving regretfully in the morning with a happy, backward look. Ah, what ecstasy. What rapture. What a talisman against the cares and tribulations. Fanatic. <laughs> Never mind what he says, McGee. He's prejudiced. Prejudiced? Why, that guy has been turned down four times at the blood bank. All they can get out of him is glow <laughs> Look now, the new rumor is due at four o'clock and it's three now. Go get that rug out of the garage. No, no, wait a minute. Now what? Don't tell me you want me to move that dresser again. It's been shoved around so much now its drawers are drooping. <laughs> no, I was just wondering. Huh? He'll need an alarm clock in here. Did you ever get the alarm clock put back together? Sure I did. Works like a charm, too. Well, what I want to know is, does it work like a clock? <laughs> yes, it does. That is, it does if you keep certain things in mind. Such as the fact that I got the hour hand and the minute hand on wrong, so when the clock says 3.30, it's really a quarter after six. <laughs> it's not hard to remember if you don't forget. Fine. Does the alarm work? Well, good if you could wind it. I lost a little gadget off the winding stand, but all you need is a small pair of pliers and... Go see who's at the door, Jerry. Yeah. I want to change the pillow slip on the bed. Oh, don't worry about the pillow slip. Tuck the part that says Pullman underneath. McGee! <laughs> Answer the door. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming. Nobody ever went in this much trouble for me when I was living in rooming houses. They always put me in a hall closet that looked like the engine room on a Greek cattle boat. If I ever hope to. Now, hold your horses, hold your horses. I'm coming. Dead, rat the dead. Hi, mister. Oh, it's you. Mm-hmm. Sis, you got a gift for barging in here at inconvenient times. You realize that? Sure. You do? Hmm? I says you do? Do what? Realize that? What? That, that you got a gift? See, have I, mister? What is it? What is it? <laughs> oh, you're wonderful, mister. I never told anybody this was my birthday. I like you. <laughs> Why? Well, you're always so nice to little children. Always giving them gifts and stuff. What you gonna give me, mister? What you gonna give me? Oh, uh, well, I, uh, uh, well, as a matter of fact, I didn't know what you wanted, sis, so I, well, I thought I'd let you buy yourself one. Um... Here's a dollar. Go get a mama doll. If you're smart, you'll get one that doesn't want to take in rumors. Mm. <laughs> Thanks ever so much, mister. Oh, forget it. Forget it, sis. Now, now, just go away and be happy. Go away and we'll both be happy. <laughs> I'm busy today now, I'm straight. Oh, what you doing, mister? I'm fixing up the spare bedroom. We're taking in a rumor. Oh, my daddy doesn't believe in rumors, mister. He says it's silly to listen to him. <laughs> That's another kind of rumor, sis. That's R-U-M-E-R. It means... <laughs> yeah. That's what my 
my daddy man. Well, the kind I'm talking about is the kind that you rent a room to. That's what my daddy man. Well, make up your mind. Which kind are you talking about? Well, both, I betcha. Huh? We got a rumor staying at our house, and for three weeks he's been telling my daddy he'll pay his rent tomorrow, and that's why my daddy says it's silly to listen to rumors. <laughs> oh, I see. Hmm? I said I see. Now, now run along. Okay, mister. And she thanks ever so much for the dollar. You deserve it, sis. You've been a good kid. Any little girl who has a birthday and doesn't tell anybody is for me. You didn't tell anybody this was your birthday? No, sir, not a soul. It wouldn't have been nice. Hmm? On account of my birthday's in April. Goodbye, Mr. <laughs> think this was her birthday. She stuffed me for a dollar. Where's my hat? I'll show her she can't. Where's my hat? Kid her age taking advantage of... Where's my hat? Oh, here it is in the closet. I forgot to put all that stuff out of the spare room in that closet. The King's Men sing the best of all. With all those foreign service ribbons on his chest, we had to ask about his travels far and wide. And when we asked about the girls he liked the best, nonchalantly he replied, There was Louise that I squeezed in Tunisia. There was a skirt in dessert he made me fall. There was a miss that I kissed up in Kiska. And a tiger lady in Bengal. I love the pale little frail in Australia. I love the classy London lassie on the mall. But wherever I may roam, it's a gal I left back home that I love best of all. In Honolulu, I with Beulah. Beneath the palms in my arms, she couldn't stall. There was a doll of a mall out in Holland, and I kissed her on the South Sea wall. There, there was Rhea in Pantelleria. I loved a lush little Russian fireball. But wherever I may roam, it's the gal I left back home that I love best of all. The bell of New Delhi, another maid who obeyed my beck and call. Then there was Bess I caressed in Odessa, that made me think of someone in St. Paul. I went insane over Jane in Tasmania, there was a score, maybe more I didn't crawl. But I'll never roam again if I can get back home again. myself as shouldn't, but do, because it really does. <laughs> well, I only hope we don't get some mug living here that's thoughtless and inconsiderate. You know, one of those guys that squawks every time somebody borrows a shirt or a razor blade. <laughs> hey, what's this guy's name again? Petey Sweetheart or Charlie Cutie Pie? No. Al Darling. Well, 
And a very tough customer, too, McGee. How do you know? You never saw him. Well, I didn't have to. Any boy by the name of Darling who got out of grade school alive would have to be tough. <laughs> well, you know, I knew a lad. Uh-oh, that must be him now. Stop smiling, Molly, and get a nasty look on your face, if possible. You don't look like a rooming house landlady. Well, thanks for the if possible. Come in. Hello, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. Just here for a day. I thought I'd drop in. Well, I'll be high, Latrivia. Rumor, Mr. Latrivia. Rumor? Since when have you been taking in rumors, McGee? Since in about ten minutes, if he's on time, Latrivia. <laughs> war worker. Molly's idea. Yeah. You see, we had a spare room, and I got to thinking about the war workers with children who didn't have a proper place to live, so I thought if we made room for a single man, maybe a family could move in where he was, you see. Ah, uh, Molly, you're a fine woman. I'm a fine man, too. <laughs> I hardly argued about it at all. By the way, Mr. Latrivia, uh, look, uh, do I call you Mr. or what? What does one call a Coast Guardsman? Well, if it's a good-looking Coast Guardsman like Latrivia and you're a girl, you don't call him. You just whistle like this. (laughs) (laughs) To answer your very sensible question, Mrs. McGee, which preceded the witty, if somewhat hackneyed, comment of our parlor comic... (laughs) One addresses a Coast Guardsman by his name, unless he's an officer. Well, I tell you, you ought to be an officer, a man with your education. I'll say. It's a shame. The guy that graduated with the highest honors from Barber College. I didn't graduate from Barber College. Well, how far did you get, Mr. Latrivia? I tell you, I didn't go to Barber College. Too expensive? Yes. Uh, no! I don't know. I tell you, I never had the slightest intention of going to Barber College. I went to Yale. They teach barbering at Yale? <laughs> of course not. Well, then why'd you go there if you wanted to be a barber? I tell you, I didn't want to be a barber. I had nothing to do with barbers. I shaved myself. Looks of that haircut, you must cut your own hair, too. <laughs> I do not. The Coast Guard barber cuts my hair. Why, of course, McGee. You've heard of Coast Guard cutters? <laughs> Of course, I just didn't... A Coast Guard cutter is a ship. A past seagoing vessel. Well, no wonder your hair is all chopped up. <laughs> How can anybody give a decent haircut on a speedboat? <laughs> Probably run it back and forth. Please, McGee! <laughs> Mrs. McGee, listen. A Coast Guard cutter has nothing whatever to do with my haircut. It is merely a vessel used in various patrol services by the Coast Guard. Is that clear? Why, of course it is. We understand that. Yeah. The part I don't get clear is, if you're a graduate from a barber college, why you didn't get a commission? It seems to me that a college graduate... I tell you, I didn't graduate. I didn't go to barber college. I never mentioned the idea to you. You started the whole thing when you... You deliberately inveigled me into this... <laughs> McGee. What's the matter, Tom? I'm sorry I lost my temper. Ah, heavenly days. Forget it. I'll try not to let it happen again. Ah, don't give it a thought, Patricia. Thank you. But if it does happen again, (laughs) you better not be around! Because I'll tear the pinnacle right out of your bulkhead and blemish your keelson till your bilge is flush with your fiddly! Good day!
What'd he say? He said, uh, fiddly, diddly. Mm. <laughs> After the war, he ought to open up a barbecue joint. He's always good for a few ribs. You know, we shouldn't do that, McGee. He's a fine man and a credit to the Coast Guard. Say, our rumor ought to be here any minute yep. now. I wonder if I've forgotten anything in his room. Well, if you did, and I know rumors, and I ought to because I've been one, he'll remind you. Let me see now. Extra blankets, flashlight for blackouts, ashtrays, pants hangers. No, I guess not. Oh, this must be him. Come in. Oh, Dr. Gamble. Come in, doctor. Thank you, Mrs. McGee. Hello, McGee. <laughs> Hi, Doc, old man. Hey, where's our new rumor you were going to send over? What do you mean, send? This is a personally conducted introduction. Huh? Al will be here in just a minute. Oh. Gone back to the car for a handbag. Sure you want to take in a war worker, Mrs. McGee? Oh, of course we do, Doctor. We don't. I sure have wasted a day. If I have to do any more shoving furniture around, I'm going to get a shoemaker to put casters on my heels. Oh, how you suffer, my boy. <laughs> but just try and remember that it won't hurt you. It'll do you good. Your muscles have less tone than a dime store harmonica. <laughs> well, I hope the room will be satisfactory, Doctor. Well, of course it will. Anyway, Al's not fussy. Father was an old school chum of mine. I've known the kid all my life. Ah, here we are. Come on in, Al. Mrs. McGee, Mr. McGee, this is Al Darling. Alice, this is Fibber McGee and Molly. How do you do? <laughs> well, how do you do, I'm sure. Hi, sis, and I'm not so sure. <laughs> You're not so sure of what, McGee? Oh, after anything. After this. Oh, Al Darling. Alice, a girl, I never had... Stop staring, McGee. Huh? Now you come right in, Alice, dear, and make yourself perfectly at home. Say, tell me, can you make fudge? Fudge? Why, why, yes, Mrs. McGee, I make very good fudge. Why? Well, isn't that nice? You know, my husband was saying just a while ago that he hoped to spend many a long winter evening with you swapping recipes for fudge. <laughs> I never know such a... Oh, my gosh. I did, too. <laughs> You know, when you can make something last twice as long by taking care of it, you usually figure it's well worth the effort, especially in these times. But when it lasts six to ten times longer, that's almost a miracle, isn't it? Well, that's exactly what happens when you protect your linoleum regularly with Johnson's Glow Coat. And what makes the story seem even harder to believe, you actually save yourself work in the bargain. Glow Coat is self-polishing. It needs no rubbing or buffing. You simply apply and let it dry 20 minutes. Glow Coat makes all linoleum surfaces shine with beauty. Keeps their colors fresh and bright. If you have any floors of asphalt tile or rubber tile, be sure to protect them also with this easy-to-use, ever-more-popular Johnson Self-Polishing Glow Coat. Hey, McGee, look at this article I clipped out of the paper. Now, you read it. I can't see a thing with these glasses on. Well, you would fit yourself at the 10 cent store. The article says, We hail with delight the return to the air this fall of our favorite radio team. Their delightful humor is so typically American, so happily their own, and so warmly human, that we expect them to make radio history in the future as they have in the past. (laughs) Yes, well, in it. Remind me to send the guy an autographed picture. And And it goes on to say, Hmm? We refer, of course, to Amos and Andy, who return to NBC Friday night. Good luck, boys. Oh. Yeah. Good night. Good night, all. Thank you for home and industry. Inviting you to be with us again next Tuesday night. Good night. This program has reached you from Hollywood. This is the National Broadcasting Company. 
Chicago, WMAQ. Hey everyone, this is OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of the Burns and Allen Show. This episode is from September 14, 1943, and the guest star is Brian Donlevy. And I believe by 1943, Brian Donlevy switched over from movies to do radio, and he appeared on an NBC radio program called The Man Called X, which he was a government spy, and it ran for a long time about mid-50s or so, maybe 1955. I really hadn't looked, but I know his show was running in the 1950s. So Brian Donlevy in The Man Called X, that's I would bring that up. And if you notice the, uh, the opening show, they talk about a singing group called the Swanzette. Swanzette, that's the name of the group. Actually, it's really the Sportsman Quartet that you hear on the Jack Benny Show. They did a number of radio programs before they ever came to Jack Benny. Their name always changed with whatever sponsor they, and whatever show they happened to be on. So when they got to Jack Benny show, they either had to make up a name, the Sportsman Quartet, or they had always been a Sportsman Quartet and just use other names because that's what the sponsor wanted. It's something like that. I, anyway, and, the other thing, too, is the reason why I'm giving you a double dose of Burns and Allen is because I was looking at uh, Fibrigi and Molly and trying to figure out when they would start, and they would start in very late September, and I thought all the other shows would fall into line, and that wasn't the case. Burns and Allen actually started three weeks before Fibber McGee and Molly did. So I'm going to give you a double dose of Burns and Allen, and next week I'm going to give you a double dose of Red Skelton because his show in 1948 started in early September as well. So I'm going to next week give you two episodes of the Red Skelton show, and then I'll give you another double dose of Burns and Allen the following week to kind of catch up, and hopefully we'll be caught up by then, so I hope so. So enjoy Burns and Allen, and after this... Another Burns and Allen, and after this, Red Skelton. Goodwin speaking for Lever Brothers, makers of Swan, the new white floating soap that's pure as fine Castile. Well, it's Tuesday night again, time for another pleasant visit with George Burns and Gracie Allen, our guests, Brian Donlevy, Jimmy Cash, Felix Mills and his orchestra, and the Swan Test. <laughs> Gracie. 
morning in the Burns home, and George is pacing up and down the living room in a somewhat unusual costume. Tan shoes, tan socks, tan trousers, and no shirt. Gracie, this is ridiculous. Couldn't we find somebody else to do our laundry? Well, I'd rather not, dear. We've always traded with her in the Chippy Laundry Company. How long have they had my shirts? Six weeks. It's a fair-sized jiffy. Oh, I'm kind of glad your shirts haven't come back. You look so manly without one. You really think so? Yeah, you're Mama's great, big, bare-chested caveman. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Oh, I love a man's figure when it starts out real broad and then tapers right off. That's how it is with your shoulders and hips. It is? Yes. You see, you're a yard wide here, and then you get narrower and narrower until we get right up to those darling little shoulders. Yeah, I'm a dream man. Mm, I love your figure, George. And you know what gives me a thrill? What? The hair on your chest. Oh, go. <laughs> it's such a cute little curly one. <laughs> Yeah, I've always been fond of it, too. <laughs> Honey, how about you washing a shirt for me right now? Well, I'd love to judge, but my career starts in a half hour. Your career? My dramatic career with the Upstairs Greek Art Theater. The Upstairs Greek Art Theater? Yes, Art Theater is upstairs over Nick's Acropolis Cafe. I <laughs> And it's under the direction of that great Shakespearean actor, Nigel Bolingbroke. Bolingbroke is no actor. He's a pool room bum. Oh, that's not true, George. Could a pool room bum get financial backing from a man like Chester Van Wert? Who's Chester Van Wert? Who's Chester Van Wert? My goodness. Don't you ever read the papers? Well, sure. Well, who do you think delivers them? <laughs> oh, little dirty-faced Chester. Oh, that's him, yes. Oh, come in. Well, greetings, fair lady. It is I, Bolingbroke. Oh, hello, myself. You're just the man I want to see, cue ball. Good looks, man. Your torso is unclad. Yes, isn't it thrilling? Doesn't George have a chest like a caveman? Yes, now that you mention it, it does cave a bit. <laughs> Look, cue ball, do you have to get my wife mixed up in that broken-down Greek theater of yours? Broken-down? My good man, I very nearly had Orson Welles in my company. Unfortunately, he was unable to attend rehearsal. Yes. Well, you see, George, since he married Rita Hayworth, he seems to stay home more. <laughs> Gracie, all this chiseler is trying to do is get your money. Oh, no, George. He didn't get a cent of my money. Well, good. Uh, all I did was give him $25 of your money. What? <laughs> Just a trifling sum to appease the landlord. Nick the Greek. Well, I already nicked him for a few bucks. Oh, oh, me. <laughs> You mean the landlord? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Well, that's $25 down the drain. Oh, no, sir, no. Your wife has talent, Mr. Burns. You see, you did not marry just an ordinary woman. You can say that again. Oh, thank you, George. You're welcome. Oh, uh, what play are we going to do, Mr. Bolingbroke? Well, I am dickering for the rights to that magnificent dramatic vehicle, The Sin of Madeleine Fodnick. <laughs> But I need another $25 to close the deal. Hi, people. Oh, hello, hello Bill. Bill. Yeah, I found this box of laundry on the front porch. I guess you need it, George. That shirt you're wearing fits kind of loose. <laughs> I happen to be... I happen to be bare from the waist up. Oh, oh I see what Bill means, dear. Please tuck it in. 
Don't give me that laundry. I'll go and put on a shirt. Okay, so long, pin up, boy. <laughs> As I was saying, Mrs. Burns, we need $25. Oh, hello, cue ball. I didn't see you. Hello. As I was saying, perhaps we could find a leading man with 20 Why, Mr. Goodwin. My dear, handsome Mr. Goodwin. Huh? What a profile. What a voice. Let me hear you do a line, any famous line from a great play. For example, I have $25. I have $25. Oh, no, no, no. With feeling, you've got to actually have $25. You, uh, do have $25, don't you? Oh, sure. Never mind the line you'll do. Cuball, what's this all about? My boy, for the paltry sum of $25, I shall make you a matinee idol. A greater kick to the chicks than Frank Sinatra. <laughs> women, women will fling themselves at your feet. They'll mark you, they'll tear off your clothes. Oh, they do that now. <laughs> what? Well, sure, they know I carry a bar of swine in my inside pocket, and they try to get it. <laughs> Well, you can't blame them. Swan is four soaps in one. The soap for your hands and face, for bathing the baby, the soap for your dishes and your light laundry. Swan, the new white floating soap, is four soaps in one. Forget about the soap. Think of your career. Wouldn't you like to walk out on that stage and thrill an audience? Hold them spellbound? Well, sure I would. Well, you can do it. Oh, gee. You mean I can wash a pan full of dishes with Swan right right out on the stage? Just watch that audience when they see that dish pan fill up with Swan suds. And when I explain that Swan is so mild, it helps prevent your hands from getting all rough and red, helps keep them looking beautiful, they'll cheer. Gee, for an encore, maybe I'll even wash some bobby socks. <laughs> all right, Mr. Goodwin, all right, let's forget the play for a moment. If, if, if you'll just give me the uh, 25. Oh, the, the, the cool, green, crisp folding stuff? Yes, yes, if you please. Uh, okay, well, you come out to the car, and I'll unwrap 25 bars of Swan and give you the wrap. Oh, no! You're very foolish, Swan, is your best wartime buy. Hey, hey, look at this. They sent me the wrong laundry. This is Brian Donlevy's laundry. Are you sure, dear? Certainly. Let me see the ticket. Yeah, it's Don Levy's laundry, all right. See, here are his initials on every piece. B.D. B.D. Oh, George. What? If his middle initial is B, you've been wearing his underwear for years. <laughs> of you see that Don Levy gets this, I'm going to call that laundry and get the piece of my mind. Hey, look at this shirt. What a chest that Don Levy has. Mm, yes. Why can't we get someone like him for our leading man? Why can't... Hey, why can't we? I'm pretty sure he could raise $25. Well, it's an excellent thought. Uh, uh, hasten over with his laundry and try to con him into... Uh, uh, persuade him to join us. Hmm? Oh, I will. And Mr. Bolingbroke. Yeah? Uh, rewrite Mr. Don Levy's part so he can wear a sweater. Here's our singing star for the favorite ballad of the season, Jimmy Cash. How sweet you are, how sweet you are, how dear your tenderly smiling face. Through days all bitter and gray and grim, through nights. 
shall be her leading man in the upstairs Greek art theater. So now, with his laundry under her arm, she's knocking at the door. Oh, hello. Oh, hello, Mr. Donlevy. Well, well won't you come in? Oh, I'd love to. Uh, here, here's your laundry. <laughs> Thank you for bringing it in. You're uh, Gracie Allen, aren't you? Well, yes. Well, that's my stage name. In private life, I'm Mrs. George Burke, you understand? Oh, of course. It's like uh, Annabella being Mrs. Tyrone Power or Barbara Stanwyck being Mrs. Robert Taylor. You have the same sort of married life. <laughs> Silly boy. <laughs> <clears throat> well, uh, what did you want to see me about, Mrs. Burns? Oh, something that I'm sure will interest you. Uh, Mr. Don Levy, did you ever think of becoming an actor? Well, yes, I've considered it. In fact, I've gone so far as to appear in a couple of pictures. Uh, oh, no, I, I don't mean the movies. I mean the legitimate stage. The theater of the Lumps and the Barrymores and the Ritz Brothers. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. I'm quite happy in the cinema of Garbo and Dietrich and Minnie Mouse. Oh, oh pooter movies. They're just a lot of celluloid. What the people want to see today is flesh and blood. And you got so much of it. <laughs> Thank you very much, I suppose. And just think, for only $25, you can become the leading man of the Upstairs Greek Art Theater. Oh, well, you'd better count me out, Mrs. Burns. There must be some other actor in Hollywood, though, who has $25. No, but I, I like you. I want you to have the chance to play opposite America's greatest actress. Oh, she's a member of the Upstairs Greek Art Theater? Oh, sure. Not Catherine Cornell. No. Bette Davis? No. Helen Hayes? No, better than those. Gee, I'd love to meet her. Well, I do. Ah, <laughs> oh, you, uh, you must think I'm an awful fool not to have known. Huh? <laughs> well, that's all right. Those other girls are good, too. Uh, shall we go to the high school? Well, I'm afraid I can't get away right now. You see, Carrie Grant's coming over, and we're going to do some knitting. <laughs> but, um... We'd be magnificent together. Can't you just see us doing Macbeth? You could be Mac and I could be Beth. I'm sorry, Grace. Oh, are you mad, Brian? It's the chance of a lifetime. We're putting on a play that I know you'll adore. The Sin of Madeline Fudnick. The what? The Sin of Madeline Fudnick. Well, with a name like that, how'd she ever get the chance? Oh, Brian. Brian, say you'll do it. Uh-uh. Well, if, if it's the money, I might get you in for $20. Uh-uh. 
scene if you wear your own tuxedo. Uh Uh-uh. In one scene, you get to kiss me on the cheek. Uh Uh-uh. Both cheeks? Uh -uh. Uh Uh-uh. 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 Oh, it's no use, Gracie. I'm just not the man for the job. Well, I guess I may as well be going then. You sure you won't reconsider? No. Sorry, Gracie. Well, goodbye, and thanks for bringing in my laundry. Oh, you're well. The laundry? Hmm. Yes, the laundry. Yeah, thank you very much. Oh, oh, you're welcome. Um, I hope you liked the way I washed your things. The way you washed them? Yes, I, I hope I didn't put too much starch in your socks. <laughs> Wait a minute. You mean you take in washing? Yes, my husband makes me. Oh, well, that's... Oh, but I sent my clothes to the In a Jiffy Laundry Company. Well, when I I don't take in enough money, he sneaks bundles off laundry trucks for me to do. Oh, that man is a beast. No, it's not his fault. He can't help himself. You see, he's he's money mad. Horrible. Uh, That's why you must do this play with me. I want the stage, not the awful drudgery of the wash tub. Oh, Mr. Don Levy, I've got a great talent. Don't let her get caught in the ringer. (laughs) Oh, you poor girl. How long has George been money mad? Well, um, I noticed it the very first night we were married. No, not on your honeymoon. Yeah, He, he only rented one hotel room for the two of us. Well, uh, maybe that wasn't just to save money. Well, it... It wasn't the, it wasn't the one room I minded, but I don't think George should have sublet the divan to a hosiery salesman. Holy smoke! You mean on your wedding night you shared your room with a hosiery salesman? Oh, yeah, and that wasn't the worst of it. Oh? Well... Well, what was? Well, George wouldn't let me buy anything from him. <laughs> what a married life you've had. Yeah. So please, Mr. Donnelly, please say you'll be in the play with me so I won't have to take in washing anymore. Don't you worry, little girl. I promise you'll never have to wash clothes again. <laughs> Don Levy. You little rat. <laughs> huh? What do you do with all the money? What, uh, what money? You know what money. Don't shout at me. What's the matter? You afraid I'll wake up a salesman on the divan? <laughs> now, look here. Hey, where's your wash tub? On the back porch. Get out there and fill it with water. But I can't swim. You're not going to swim. You're not swimming. You're going to do my laundry. No, she here. Just going. Come on. Yes, sir. Time now for Felix Mills and his orchestra. The novel Mills arrangement of Sunday, Monday, or always.
Bobby. I told you 50 times. I never made my wife take in washing. I'm trying to take it. Keep washing, Burns. But I've been at this for hours. Can't I quit now? Yeah. You can quit when you've got that shirt snow white. But it's a green shirt. (laughs) Keep washing, Burns. Oh. Hello, I... Well, Redley Dab, if it isn't Bubbles Bird. <laughs> Bill. Let him alone, Bill. He's doing my laundry. Oh. Well, that's a very nice arrangement you boys have, Briny. What do you do for him? Cook? <laughs> Look, Bill, will you explain to this big Why, Briny, are those dainty little things yours? Oh, I didn't mean to bring those here. <laughs> Gee, and he wears pink ones. Bill, please explain to Don. See, Barney, I'm, I'm glad you've got George using swan soap. Swan is four soaps in one, not only great for flimsy things, but just the soap for your dishes, for bathing the baby, and for your own hands and face tub or shower. Four swell soaps in one. Bill, just tell Don Levy that Gracie... Keep washing, Burns. Yes, sir. And go easy on my flimsy things. Yes, sir. <laughs> ah, what a picture you make bending over that tub, George. I can almost see a little kid... I can almost see a little kid running in from school, grabbing you by the apron strings and saying, Save me with swan. Oh, oh, Swan is great for kids. It's pure as fine Castile's and so mild, too. Just what the doctor ordered. And you know, Brian, if swan is kind to a baby's tender skin, it's just got to be swell for us grown-ups. You can't buy a finer soap for your complexion. Bill, now just tell Don Levy that Gracie... Keep washing, Burns. I finished your laundry. I washed every dainty unmentionable. (laughs) And I must say, a beautiful job, George. Now, break the swan in two, take half inside, and start on the dishes. Now, Bill, well, that, that, that's why swan breaks in two. So you can use half in the kitchen and half in the bathroom or wherever you need it. Bill, will you just explain Oh, the... all right, George. What is it? What do you want me to tell Don Levy? I just want you to tell him the truth. Does Gracie take in washing? Well, of course not. Are you trying to make Don Levy believe she does? What do you think he is, stupid? Oh, George. <laughs> well, all right, so I'm stupid. But this is your fault, George. What's the matter with you? Don't you know how to handle your own wife? Well, sometimes I think I don't, and sometimes I'm positive I don't. (laughs) The idea of letting her run around telling wild stories just so she can do some broken-down play. I suppose you could stop her. Easy. I could talk her out of... Oh, George, I... Oh, oh, hello, Mr. Donlevy. Hello. How are things in the wet wash racket? Oh. No, I, um, I just made that up. About taking in washing. Funny joke, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> George didn't think so. Well, um, shall we run over my plane, Mr. Don Levy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. Oh, wonderful. I'll go get the slip. Hey, what's the idea, Don Levy? I thought you were going to talk a lot of it. I've got a better idea. I'm going to louse this scene up so badly she'll never want to hear of me or the theater again. Here she comes. Oh, yeah. here's the script, Mr. Don Levy. The sin of Madeline Fudnick. I'm Madeline and you're my sin. <laughs> I can't wait to get my teeth into it. Where do we start? Oh, well, we'll just open it at random. Hmm. Artists such as you and I can read any line and they'll all sound the same. <laughs> right. Oh, let's see now. Oh, this is a scene where Madeline did farewell to Boris, a Russian nobleman who wanted to marry her. Would you like to try it? Sure, let's go. Um, <clears throat> Oh, no, Boris. Our love can never be. You are a Russian nobleman, and I am only a simple fudgeon. 
Go back. Go back to your own land, Boris. Go back to Russia. Say, since we got her, Madeline, me darling, and it's breaking me heart. Hey, <laughs> uh, however, if it's after telling me go to go that it is you are, is all a Russian gentleman can do. Oh, oh Brian, that was wonderful. <laughs> Huh? Wonderful. Didn't you hear the act? Oh, yes, and I adored it. We'll rewrite the whole scene and make Boris a Frenchman, just as Mr. Donlevy did. Yes, and you can call him Axel. Sure. So, um, shall we try another scene, Mr. Donlevy? Oh, sure, by all means. Well, here's a nice one. Tell me, beloved. Oh, wait. George, before I go any further, you'd better give me a little hug. What for? Well, I'm about to play a love scene with Brian, and I want you always to remember me as I was. <laughs> Play the same. Play the same. Uh, ready, Mr. Donlevy? Take it. <clears throat> Tell me, beloved, why are we drawn so irresistibly together? Because you are a woman, Madeline, and I am a man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness, Mr. Donlevy, what an unusual interpretation. Yeah, terrible, wasn't it? Oh, no, it was marvelous. You're so much in love with me that you're not even sure what you are. Oh, yeah. Well, let's do the next time. All right. There are stars in your eyes, my dearest one. You have the soul of a poet, and I must have you near me always. Certainly. It's the same with me, Madeline. Uses a girl in a million. Without use, life would have no point. <laughs> Oh, no. Oh, but it was. You made me see the hero as he really is. A cute brute. I'll give up, Ryan. You're licked. Wait. We've still got a chance. Now, Gracie, you think I played the scene well? Oh, you were exquisite. Well, one of us was awful, so it must have been you. Why, Mr. Donovan? Now, wait a minute. Uh, look, George, come here. You read that part and show her how it should be done. Come on. Me? Yeah. Come on, this will discourage you. Now, start with this speech, George. Well, okay. Tell me, beloved. Why are we drawn so irresistibly together? Because I am a man, Madeline. And you are a woman. Only one thing frightens me, man of my dreams. What if fate should part us? What if I should be snatched from your arms? Oh, don't. Don't say that. Oh, you beautiful, fragile creature. That face... That figure, they drive me mad. Mad, do you hear me? Mad. Oh, boy. Stop. Oh, please stop. Oh, you had enough, huh? Oh, yes, and I see what you mean. I could never play that part. Well, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I thought I was a great actress, but I was wrong. I'll step aside, Brian. George will be your leading lady. Oh, no. right back. Meanwhile, I'd like to remind you that there's ammunition for the next attack right in your kitchen. Yes, in waste kitchen fat. There's glycerin in waste fat, and glycerin is needed in the bombs and bullets and shells for our boys. So save all the waste fat you can. Melt down solid fats, too. Drain them into a clean tin can. And as soon as you have a pound or more collected, take it to your meat dealer. He'll pay for it. How about it, friends? 
try to get a pound of waste kitchen fat on its way to the munition factories in time for the next American offensive. Well, here again are radio's lovable Mr. and Mrs. George and Gracie Burns. Gracie, will you drop the subject? Oh, but George, I mean it. Drop it. You you have a great talent. Hmm. And Brian Donnelly thought you did a wonderful job, too. Did he really? Yeah. He wants you to, to do his laundry every week. Oh, good night. <laughs> So join George and Gracie in inviting you to tune in to your CBS station again next week, same time. We'll have as our guest star, Ray Milland, appearing in the interest of the third war bond drive. Remember George Burns and Gracie Allen, CBS next Tuesday night. And don't forget to listen to Swan's other show, Tommy Riggs and Betty Lou, next Friday night over another network. And now till next week, this is Bill Goodwin saying, Well, I, Swan, how about you? Good night, everybody. Hey everyone, it's OTR Rob welcoming you to another edition of Burns and Allen. This episode is from September 21st, 1943, and the guest on the show is Ray Milland, who in three years' time would win an Academy Award for The Lost Weekend playing an alcoholic drunk. And it was a very riveting performance and a subject matter that was never talked about until that point in time. And uh, amazingly how he won the Academy Award for that. So, hats off to Ray Milland, but you get to enjoy them in this episode of Burns and Allen. And also, Gracie's best girlfriend, Tootsie Bagwell, is getting married. Performed by Elvia Allman. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, we'll see. <laughs> and after this is Red Skelton from 1948. <laughs> Oh, George, we've got company. This is Bill Goodwin speaking for Lever Brothers, makers of Swan, the new white floating soap that's pure as fine Castile. Well, it's Tuesday night again, time for another pleasant visit with George Burns and Gracie Allen, our guest star, Ray Milan, Jimmy Cash, Felix Mills and his orchestra, and the Swan Tet. Now, meet the people who live in the Burns house, George and Gracie. Well, it's morning in the Burns home, and as George comes into the living room, he is greeted by a very excited Gracie. Oh, George, I've got the most sensational news. You'll never believe it. What is it? Well, what's the most unbelievable thing you can think of? Hitler's going to be a guest star on Eddie Cantor's program. <laughs> Well, what? Tootsie Sackwell is going to get married. That I don't believe. <laughs> Nobody would marry that dame. Why, George Tootsie's very attractive. She has a perfectly balanced face. Balanced? Certainly. What if her chin does recede? Her teeth stick way out. <laughs> yeah, that sort of makes it balanced. Yeah, and her figure is pretty, too. You just ought to get a look at Tootsie in a sweater. You've never seen such beautiful ribs. <laughs> Yeah, she's a dream. Who is she going to marry? A soldier. He just got back from six months in the jungle and took you as the first woman he saw. <laughs> ah, the poor kid. We're going to have the wedding right here in this room. Oh, that reminds me. I better call the locksmith. The locksmith? Yeah, the lock on that door doesn't work and Tootsie has lost so many men that way. 
You think of everything. Now, Gracie, would you just put the wedding aside? I've got some wonderful news for you. What is it, dear? Well, there's going to be a, a, a very big uh, bond rally tonight, and you and I are going to help out with the entertainment. Oh, wonderful. We want to do everything we can. Yeah, but just listen to this. The man in charge of the bond rally is coming over to see us. You'll, you'll be terribly excited when you find out who he is. Who? Ray Milan. Ray Milan. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's kind of cute. <laughs> kind of cute? Most women are nuts about that guy. Oh, well, that's only because they aren't married to you, darling. Uh, really? Oh, would any woman in her right mind prefer Ray Milan to George Burns? So he doesn't excite oh, you? Oh, of course not. Does the tiger's mate get excited when she sees a chipmunk? Rather have me than Ray Milan. Oh, sure. Youth and good looks aren't everything. <laughs> no, I guess not. Hmm. Women may be crazy about him today, but will they be crazy about him ten years from now? Or when he gets to be your age? <laughs> well, never mind. Never mind. Oh. I can't. Why, is, is that Milan already? No, no, it's probably the happy bride. I'm expecting her. Come in. Oh, Gracie! <laughs> oh, Tootsie! Oh, no! It's all, Gracie! My marriage is all off! But, Tootsie, that soldier boy, you told me! I know, but he isn't going through with it! He decided he'd rather go back and fight the jab! <laughs> oh, the coward! <laughs> well, I'm going into the library. Call me when Ray Milan gets here. Oh, Gracie, I guess I'll just never get a husband. I thought, sure, I had this one. Oh, me too. I wonder what he sees in those Japs anyway. <laughs> they, they all have yellow skin and buck teeth and wear glasses. You don't wear glasses. Gracie, what am I going to do? Oh, Tootsie, you've been going about this wrong. The trouble with you is that you'll marry any man. Well, what else is there to marry? <laughs> well, that isn't what I mean. You should set your cap for somebody big. A handsome movie star like uh, Ray Milan. Ray Milan? Well, yes, he's coming over here this afternoon. And Tootsie, I can't think of any reason why you shouldn't marry him. Marry him? Oh, but Gracie, I've never met the man. I don't know anything about him. Well, I'll tell you everything you want to know. He's a, <laughs> about average height. That's enough. I'll marry him. <laughs> And Tootsie, I'm sure you'll find it just as easy to get Ray Milan as any ordinary man. Gee, I hope not. <laughs> hello, girls. Oh, hello, Bill. Oh, Bill, you're the first to hear the news. Oh, really? What news? Well, Tootsie Sagwell and Ray Milan are going before a justice of the peace. Oh, well, what's he suing you for, Tootsie? Assault and battery? <laughs> oh, he's not suing her. He's marrying her. Oh, come now, Gracie. Ray Milan marry an old maid like Tootsie? He's not marrying an old maid. He's marrying a bachelor girl. Well, uh, yeah, but maybe he'd like one that looks less like a bachelor and more like a girl. <laughs> oh, Bill. <laughs> You're just bitter because you've lost Tootsie. Be a good sport. Well, okay, Gracie. Congratulations, Tootsie. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Say, uh, Tootsie, I suppose by and by you'd like to present your husband with a little bundle of happiness. <laughs> Oh, 
Well, listen, if you would, have a little talk with me first. <laughs> well, um... <laughs> certainly, Toots, I can get you a bundle of swan soap at a moment's notice. Oh, Bill. Every bar of swan is a real bundle of happiness. It helps you get your work done more easily because swan is the new white floating soap. It's four soaps in one. The soap for your hands and face, the soap for bathing the baby, the soap for your dishes, and for your light laundry. Four swell soaps in one, a great wartime buy. A real bundle of joy. But, Bill, I had another kind of bundle in mind. You know, the kind you always say to bathe with swan. Oh, oh, you mean a bundle of dishes. Oh, sure. Swan's perfect for dishes, loads of suds, and real protection for your hands at the same time. You see, Swan is so mild and gentle that your hands never get that dish panty look. Swan helps keep them looking lovely. Well, Bill Tootsie doesn't mean a bundle of dishes. No? She means the kind of bundle the stork brings. You know, something that'll look like Tootsie. Oh, a baby stork. <laughs> no. No, you better stick to swan, Tootsie. You can't break a stork in two and use half in the kitchen for dishes and light laundry and half in the bathroom for your tub or shower. Well, girls, so long. Oh, Bill, just to show there's no hard feelings, will you be the best man at our wedding? <laughs> By far. <laughs> oh, Gracie, I wish Raymond would hurry and get here. I'm so excited. Well, I'll go upstairs and get my wedding dress for you to be married in, Tootsie. Your wedding dress? Oh, but Gracie, I'm two feet taller than you. Oh, well, that's all right. Instead of putting orange blossoms on your head, we can drape them around your leg. <laughs> Time for Felix Mills and his orchestra. Tonight with the Swan Ted, a bright Mills arrangement of In My Arms.
suspecting Ray Milland is on his way to the Burns' home to discuss the bond rally, Gracie is giving Tootsie her last-minute instructions. Now, here's my wedding dress, Tootsie. Put it on and meet me backstage at the Bond Rally at 8 o'clock. Gracie, am I going to be married right up on the stage? Well, sure. The people will buy bonds to see your wedding. Just think you'll be helping Uncle Sam win by marrying Ray Milland. Oh, I regret that I have but one life to give for my country. Well, you better run along now. He'll be here any minute. You mean I'm not going to meet him now? Oh, no. It would be bad luck for the groom to see the bride before the wedding. (laughs) Especially in this case. (laughs) But, Gracie, I... Oh, no, Tootsie. I don't want him to set eyes on you until after I've established a bridgehead. (laughs) Oh, all right. I I can't wait to see if Mr. Milan looks the same in person as he does on the screen. Oh, I'm sure he will. Oh, well, you never know with these movie actors. In pictures, some of them wear toupees and girdles and false eyelashes and heaven knows what. Really? Yes. And you don't want a husband you have to assemble every morning. (laughs) My goodness. Between the two of you, you'd never get dressed. Oh, Gracie, I wouldn't care. Oh, there he is. Quick, Tootsie, out the back door. Can I just stay long enough to give him one fast hug? No, no. He might fall apart in your arms. Uh, before I even discuss your marriage to him, I'm going to make sure he's all Ray Milan. Well, all right. See you at the bomb rally at eight. You're coming. Oh, well, hello, Mr. Milan. Won't you come in? Thank you very much. I guess you know why I'm here, Mrs. Burns. Mm-hmm. Better than you do. <laughs> you know, Mr. Milan, you look as cute in person as you do on the screen. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> but of course, one never knows, does one? <laughs> uh, won't you sit down? Oh, thanks. Uh, go on, relax. Make yourself comfortable. Loosen your girdle. I, uh, I beg your pardon. Oh, come, Mr. Milan. Don't blink your false eyelashes at me. <laughs> Mrs. Burns, I don't wear a girdle and my eyelashes are not false. Oh, well, that's fine. <laughs> I was just joking. Oh, come on, Mr. Milan, smile. It was just a joke. <laughs> ah, that's better. I like your smile. Your teeth are so white and dazzling. Thank you. They do some wonderful work these days, don't they? <laughs> Mrs. Burns, are you by any chance... Oh, and I love your hair. It's so soft and nice-looking. Well, thank you. I grow it myself. <laughs> Glad to hear it. You're really very attractive, Mr. Milan. I'll bet when you take a girl in your arms, they are your arms. Oh, yes. Yes. Had them for years. Mrs. Burns, are you by any chance pulling my leg? No, but maybe I'd better. Oh, I assure you. No, no, no. I, I assure you that I'm all in one piece. Oh, well, that's wonderful. Mrs. Burns. Whatever gave you the idea that men are put together with string? Oh, hello. What did you ask me, Miss Milan? Oh, never mind. I see. Uh, I'm, I'm glad you're here, Ray. I've got some wonderful ideas for the Bond Rally tonight. I think if I sing a few songs... George. Uh, yes, dear? Mm-hmm. You're incredibly handsome. Oh, stop. Oh, you really are, dear. I adore the way your nose just comes leaping out of your profile. Gracie, what's what's the idea? Well, I'm showing Mr. Milan how wonderful married life is. You see, Mr. Milan, that's the way I always flatter my husband. Very interesting. 
Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, there's not another woman in the world like Gracie. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Well, you're wrong. She's not as pretty as I am. Gracie, Gracie, would you run out into the kitchen and fix Ray and me a cup of sandwiches? Why, of course, darling. See, Mr. Milan, that's another duty of a wife. She always keeps an eye on her husband's stomach. Well, it's nice of George to make it so easy for you. Now, Ray, don't worry about the entertainment at the Bond Rally because I'll sing about seven or eight songs. Get this for a climax. You see, I walk on singing. Oh, bum 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 down in the garden where the red rose grows. Uh, George. Oh, my. I love you George. so. Love me like a flower. George! Oh. I, I'm not sure that's quite the thing we want. Well, you want the people to buy bonds, don't you? Yes, but I'd rather not use third-degree methods. <laughs> Well, you don't have to worry about my song, Ray. I was a riot in vaudeville. In fact, I closed the show with that number. I can well believe it. <laughs> well, just listen to the whole thing. George. Oh, bum, 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 down. George. Yes? Uh, here are some sandwiches. Stick one in George's mouth quick. <laughs> Ray seems to be a little in doubt about my singing. Oh, George is wonderful. He can sing anything. He even used to dress up as a bride and sing, There Was I Waiting at the Church. Yeah. Gee, I got a terrific press notice in Altoona. I'll get it and show it. Oh, you. George, wait. Yeah. Don't bring the Altoona notice. Why, dear? No, it was Scranton where your uncle worked on the paper. <laughs> Gracie, we're in trouble. George is determined to sing as the climax of our show. Oh. Well, I- I've got a much better idea for the climax. An idea that'll attract thousands of people and sell millions of dollars worth of bonds. Wonderful. What is it? Well, you'll get married right on the stage. Married? Oh, no. Oh, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, no. Wait till I show you the picture of the girl you're going to marry. Uh, Here, look at this. (laughs) Cute, huh? Cute? Why, this is... Oh. Oh, now I get it. (laughs) This is terrific. The audience will love it. Oh, well, then you'll do it? Why, of course I'll do it. (laughs) What an idea. George dressed up as a woman. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. It'll be a riot, Gracie. Oh, you're a genius. I, I am? Well, for a minute, I thought you really wanted me to marry a woman. You did? <laughs> Silly boy. <laughs> oh, the people will scream when I marry George. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, at the wedding, you'd better call him Tootsie. Oh, murder. What a name, Tootsie. Hey, <laughs> Ray, I couldn't find... Hey, what are you you so happy about? Oh, because my worries are over, George. I know we've got a finish for the Bond Rally that couldn't be tough. Well, gee, I'm glad you think so. Thanks for fixing it, Gracie. Oh, no fooling. It'll be the talk of the town. Well, it's mighty sweet of you. (laughs) Oh, bum, 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 down in the garden where the red rose grows. Ah, you enjoying our bond rally, and we've got some more great entertainment for you. I guess you've noticed that I'm not making any mention of that ever-loving stuff with the bird's name. You know the stuff that breaks in two. Well, that's because tonight we're only interested in one kind of soap, the soap that's going to wash up the axis, United States War Bonds. And now, I'd like to introduce one of the great personalities of the entertainment world. A star whose voice you've heard many times, oh, and who's... Oh, bum, 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 down in the garden where the big road goes. No, oh, George. Oh, I love you George, so. George, wait. Love. No. <laughs> no. 
Not that voice. Well, it's... It's the only one I've got. Well, yeah, but it isn't time for it yet. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you all to meet Ray Milland. Thank you. Thank you very much. Friends, the attack is on. All over the world, your boys and your dollars are on the offensive. The defense bonds and the war bonds you bought during the first and second war-owned drives were turned into the fire and steel that held the bridgehead at Salerno. Every last bayonet that swept the enemy from Salamaua and Lai was bought and paid for by you. And the invasion bonds that I'm asking you to buy tonight will force that enemy back to the shores of Japan and beyond the crumbling walls of Fortress Europe. This is your invasion. You made it possible. And now that the initiative is ours, you can't afford to fail. Back the attack with the purchase of at least one extra $100 bond each. We've got to dig deep. Dig and dig and dig until we can't dig any deeper. And then dig some more. Remember that every dollar you invest will bring this war to an end just a little bit sooner. I know that all of you have a relative, a friend, a boy you love in our armed forces. When you buy a bond, you're buying him a ticket home. But remember, our enemies are still strong and ruthless. That trip may be a long way off. How long depends on you. Thank you, Ray. You said it for all of us. And now I'd like to present a fine artist, a man with a great singing voice. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. No, George. Oh, my, no. I love you so. No, George. Oh. No. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Jimmy Cash. No, no. The drugstore on the corner, the schoolhouse further down. The little church on Main Street in a sleepy little town. When I come back, I want to see the things that mean so much to me. The baseball games in summer, election day and fall. The kids around the jukebox almost any time at all. Stopping the car for hot dogs and drinks and paper cups Having so much excitement when the neighbor's dog has pups Reading the Sunday funnies, Dick Tracy's downs and ups Oh, how big the little things are Those friendly get-togethers with folks I know and love the smiling face of someone I'm forever dreaming of. When I come back, I want to see the things that mean so much. I know you've all been waiting for this. A great personality. One half of that grand team of George Burns and Gracie Allen 
A real talent, oh, ladies and gentlemen. Bum, 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 bum. I can't wear the patrol. No, George. Oh, my no, I love you so. No. Oh. I meant the better half. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Miss Gracie Allen. Thank you very much. Now, Bill, you can announce the grand finale of our show, The Marriage of Ray Milland and Tootsie Sagwell. Okay, Gracie. Ladies and gentlemen, Ray Milland will now marry Tootsie... What? You, you mean that was on the level? Jealous, huh? Yeah, I'm jealous, jealous. Well, it's your own fault, Bill. If you'd played your cards right, Tootsie would be carrying you across the threshold tonight instead of Ray Milland. <laughs> Yeah, I feel terrible. Well, you make the announcement, and I'll go to Tootsie's dressing room and get her ready. Well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, believe it or not, we now present the Well, everything is ready, Tootsie. Oh, wonderful. Oh, Mr. Milan will always remember me for arranging this. He's a lucky man. Oh, you have a fine character. You're an excellent cook, and you crochet beautifully. And what more can a man want in a wife? I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Oh, just think, Tootsie. Tomorrow you may be in Winchell's column. Yes. It'll probably say, what movie star just married which glamour girl? Oh, and I'll be in on the secret. I'll know that Ray Milland is the what and you're the witch. Oh, um, oh, Tootsie, I, uh, nearly forgot. Mr. Milan is a little absent-minded, so don't worry if during the ceremony he calls you George. Oh, oh he can call me Butch as long as he marries me. <laughs> and, um, Tootsie, don't let him hear your voice until after the ceremony. Uh, let that be a surprise to him, too. Say, hurry up, girls. Everybody's waiting out on the stage. Oh, come on, Tootsie. <laughs> well, Mr. Milan, here's your bride. You look great, George. Of course, you could have used a little more padding here and there. Uh, well, um, um, here's the justice of the peace. Uh, come on, Mr. Milan, let's get started. Take your hand. Okay. Your makeup is great, George, but you should have worn gloves. Those hands give you away. Uh, now, uh, well, quiet, everybody, quiet. The, um, the wedding is beginning. All right, Mr. Justice, say the peace. <laughs> Show's over. Take off the wedding dress. Why, Raymond? <laughs> well, uh, good night. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. This is the finale of the show. Oh, uh, in the garden with hey. the crows, crows. hey, wait a minute. Oh, my. Hey! Uh, hey! Uh-huh. You're George Burns. Oh, sure. Then what's that thing in the bridal dress? <laughs> that's Tootsie Sagwell. Oh, no, no, you're wrong, dear. That's Tootsie Milan. You mean that's a woman? Well, sure. <laughs> yeah, and uh, she, she's your wife. But that's impossible. I've already got a wife. What? what? You mean you're already married? Why, sure. Oh, why, you deceitful man, you tricked me. Huh? <laughs> oh, you men, you're all alike. Wrecking homes before you even get into them. Well, that's enough, Gracie. That's funny. Come on home. I'm not going home with you, George Burns. Who knows how many other wives you've got? Oh,
Mr. and Mrs. George and Gracie will be with you again in a second. And while I'm here, I'd just like to tell you that the real tip-off to just how good swan soap is is the fact that doctors recommend swan for bathing babies. There's your assurance that swan is pure, pure as fine Castile's. There's your assurance, too, that swan is mild, so mild it's going to be kind to a baby's tender skin. And since swan is so mild, well, you gals know it's just bound to be a great soap for your hands and face, a wonderful complexion soap, a grand bath soap. I honestly believe that swan, the new white floating soap, is a great buy any time, an even greater buy in wartime. Excuse well, me, Bill. George, Ray, I've got some wonderful news. Our bond rally was really a big success. Oh, great. What happened? Well, Mr. Asa Call, president of Pacific Mutual Life Insurance Company, has given me a pledge that his company is participating in the CBS bond drive by purchasing $6 million worth of bonds for the third war loan campaign. million dollars. That is wonderful. Oh, of course, ladies and gentlemen, it will take millions more to put over this drive, so let's all of us remember to do our share and buy at least one extra war bond this week. Good night. Good night. Good night. Indebted to our guest, Ray Milan, for his appearance on behalf of the Third War Bond Drive. The makers of Swan, the new white floating soap, join George and Gracie in inviting you to tune in to your CBS station again next week, same time, when we'll have as our guest star, lovely Ann Sheridan. Remember George Burns and Gracie Allen, CBS, next Tuesday night. Don't forget to listen to Swan's other show, Tommy Riggs and Betty Lou, next Friday night over another network. Now until next week, this is Bill Goodwin saying, Well, I, Swan, how about you? And remember to back the attack this month with extra war bonds. Good night. Mothers, get the vitamins and minerals your family needs in spite of food shortages. Vim's give you all the essential vitamins, including those of the B-complex and all the minerals commonly lacking. Remember, it's your druggist, B.I. for vitamins, double M.S. for minerals. Get that Vim's feeling. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. Yeah, well, let's get back to the sleeping bag. <clears throat> Bring the words closer together, old boy. You're proud of that, ain't you? <laughs> now, don't go get mad. I'm not mad. Why, well, I love you like Truman loves Congress. <laughs> well, what do you know about sleeping bags? Well, did you ever try to get into one of those things? Boy, they're, they're awful. It's like trying to put your pants on in an upper berth. <laughs> As you can tell by that, Red Skelton's fired up to do this show. <laughs> what, what energy that man had. Anyway, uh, welcome to the Red Skelton Show. This episode is from September 17, 1948. This is really a very good episode of the Red Skelton Show if you're a fan of Red Skelton. Even if you're not, I think you'll like the humor. Red Skelton already, do, already has and already does clean humor. So, anyway, enjoy this Red Skelton show, and I'll be back with a double shot of Red Skelton next week. And I'll be back with everything else next week as well, not just Red Skelton. So, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Red Skelton. In response to requests from millions of people, I'm sorry we say no. We present the program anyway. <laughs>
from Hollywood, Procter & Gamble brings you the Red Skelton Show, starring Red Skelton, Dave Rose, and his orchestra, our singing stars, the Four Knights, Verna Felton, Lorene Tuttle, Pat McGee, and yours truly, Rod O'Connor. Yes, it's the Red Skelton Show, brought to you by Tide, Procter & Gamble's amazing new discovery for your whole family wash. Tide's in. Whoa. Dirt's out. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap. Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap. T-I-D-E. Tide. And now for Metro Golden Mayor, the star of our show, Red Skelton. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. How are you tonight, O'Connor? Fine, Skelton. Uh, say, where have you been hiding all week? What's the matter? Did the West Coast gas shortage keep you in? No, when I couldn't get any gas, I just filled my tank with lighter fluid. <laughs> Did your car run? No, but it made the prettiest blue flame. <laughs> well, look, what are you going to do this coming week? Well, I'm flying to Washington, D.C. tonight. I've been asked to entertain before Secretary of State General Marshall mm-hmm. for, uh, for the Humanitarian Award, and I was asked to be there. Why? Oh, some of the old gang thought it would be fun to take a hike up into the mountains and have a... When it settled the way I said that, huh? <laughs> And have a civilian bivouac. Uh, do you have a sleeping bag? Yeah, oh, you want it? I think it's a sleeping bag. I bought it at an army surplus store. I think it's one of those cases they carry shallows in. <laughs> Sorry I said that, brother. <laughs> well, what do you mean, Mr. Bones? You know, I sure have a dull part tonight, don't I? What do you mean? I think the writers have captured your air personality for the first time Yeah, well, let's get back to the sleeping bag Bring the words closer together, old boy You're proud of that, ain't you? Now, don't go get mad I'm not mad Why, I love you like Truman loves Congress well, what do you know about sleeping bags? Would you ever try to get into one of those things? Boy, they're, they're awful. It's like trying to put your pants on in an upper berth. You know? <laughs> no kidding. I went camping last summer, and you, and you get into this thing, see, and you zip yourself up. Yes, you start to doze off one of the kids, and, hey, Bob, I'm cold. <laughs> so you get up, and you give them your blanket, and you crawl back in a zipper bag, and you zip it up again, and you're laying there watching the mosquitoes <laughs> prepare your nose for surgery. <laughs> Don't go away. I may want to read the script again. <laughs> Anyhow, you do- <laughs> Anyhow, you, do- you doze off to sleep again, and just then your wife says, Psst, Hey, honey, I think somebody's ramsacking the car. Well, then what do you do? Try to convince her it's just uh, some used car dealer's talent scout looking it over? Oh, no, you sure how brave you are, and you grope around for the flashlight, see? Mm-hmm. Finally, when you find it, the kid's been playing with it all day, and the battery's so weak you have to light a match to see if the ball Anyhow, <laughs> <laughs> you start for the car, see, and you sneak over real, and you don't want to wake up the other campers. Mm-hmm. So very quietly, you say, Who's there? <laughs> well, who was there? Nobody but a nice, friendly 500-pound bear. You mean you came face-to-face with a bear? No, he followed me. <laughs> well, Red, I'm surprised at you. I heard those bears up in the national parks are so tame they eat off your hand. Yeah, I got news for you, bub. They like arms and legs, too. 
slides in. Yeah. Dirt's outside gets clothes cleaner than any soap. Any soap? Yes, any soap. Uh, simmer down there, sister. Simmer down. <laughs> You're covering a lot of ground there. I was over to my Uncle Cal Cadillhopper's general store. And they really got a mess of different kinds of soap there, and a lot of them are new sudsers, too. Well, Clem, Tide gets clothes cleaner than any known wash day product, soap or sudser, new or old. Oh? Nothing you can buy will get your family wash as clean as Procter & Gamble's Tide. Oh, I see. Notice I said family wash. That includes everything. Your heavy work clothes, as well as your best linens and prints. Tide leaves them all free from dirt. And Tide removes dingy soap film, too. Yet with all this amazing cleaning power this takes, Tide is safe. Truly safe for all your washable colors. What's more, Tide actually brightens those soap-dulled colors. As for white things, in hardest water, Tide gets them whiter than any other washing product known. Tide keeps them white, too. Week after week, never turns them yellow. When you're using Tide... You're using the only wash day product known that gives all this the cleanest, brightest, whitest wash you ever hung on the line. All right, now, kiddies, gather around the radio and we get some old foot patting music going. The four knights are here. What are you going to sing, boys? A little song. A Brother Bill. Oh, me and Brother Bill went hunting up in the woods of the eastern Maine. Now the reason why we went up there, well, we thought we could catch some game. As me and Brother Bill walked hunting way over in the middle of the night, we shot at something the back of grizzly bear, but the doggone thing turned white. So I dropped that gun, we dropped that gun, and away I run. And away I run. Brother Bill said, boy, what's the matter with you? I had it on like me, he'd run some too. I run so fast, they say. They couldn't catch me all day The way I run across that field They couldn't catch me with an automobile Brother Bill got so excited That he took a shot at me That bullet whistled past my ears Zing! Hit a tree I run until I was exhausted My feet were dragging the ground Come on, big feet, don't fail me now Oh, the melly bammy bound Oh, drop that gun And away I run Brother Bill said, boy, what's the matter with you? Had an old like me, he'd run some too. I run so fast, they say. They couldn't catch me all day. The way I run across that field, they couldn't catch me with an automobile. Well, I ran right past my house, but I didn't have time to knock. And I ran right past a big dice game, I didn't even have time to stop. And I ran right by a gin mill, and I stopped to get a shot of gin. But I didn't have a dime to pay for it. So I had to start running again. Oh, drop that gun, drop that gun. And away I run, and away I run. Brother Bill said, boy, what's the matter with you? And known like me, you run some too. I run so fast, they say. They couldn't catch me all day. No. The way I run across that field. They couldn't catch me with an automobile. you'll meet sooner or later. Break it, will you? Break it, will you? Have you ever sold something that was dear to you just because someone told you that you should for your own good? Well, I knew an old cowboy like that once called Deadeye. He sold something he wanted. You will, too, sooner or later. <laughs> Oh, come on, 
Horkmore. If you don't... Oh, boy, I ain't going to give you no more of them home permanents, and then we won't look like twins anymore. <laughs> now, come on in. All right, all right, all right. So you threw me. Now, stop prancing around like gorgeous George, will you? <laughs> come on over here, you no-good critter. I'll teach you a little... Hey, you saddlebum! Don't yell at your horse like that. Let me give you a tip. We don't mistreat a horse in these parts. Why well, ain't it bothering you, ma'am? Say, don't I know you from somewhere? I never forget a face. Well, you should have forgotten the one you're wearing. Let me see that horse. I know that horse. I've got it, you dead eye. Your horse is a dead giveaway. Yeah, he's a giveaway, but he ain't dead, is he? Dead eye. Don't you remember me? Well, now, I've seen that shape somewhere. Now, could it have been, uh... No, no. That was tied to the pier in Frisco. (laughs) You look like something like old vulture bait Kate. That's me. Well, Katie, old gal, it's good to see you again. Well, it's good to see you too, dead eye. I ain't seen you for a year and a day. Yeah. What you been doing? A year and a day. <laughs> you sure got a nerve to come back here. Well, why shouldn't I come back here? Well, hmm? you did disappear after the big bank robbery. Oh, now the folks in these parts don't think I robbed a bank, do they? Well, your horse was in front of the bank, and there was a big explosion, yeah. and you come running out with a big bag of money and rode away. Yeah, it does look suspicious, don't it? <laughs> but everybody knows I ain't no bandit. Why well, only did that for a joke? Then why didn't you return the money? Because I ain't got no sense of humor. <laughs> well, Vulture Katie, it's, uh, you ain't going to turn me in, are you? No, I reckon not, because I still like you, did I? Oh. But let me give you a tip. If What's you don't that? want nobody to know you're around, you get rid of that nag. Yeah? Why, I recognized your horse before I recognized you. Yeah, it's a good idea, but uh, tell me, will you be waiting here till I get back? I sure will, lover boy. (laughs) Let's not get sickening about this. (laughs) I'll see you later, clabber girl. Come on. (laughs) Let's go over and see the honest engine, the used horse dealer. Partner, where will I find the honest engine? You're speaking to him, Tootless. What do you want to see me about? Well, I got a horse I'd like to trade in on a later model. Uh, something that moves. <laughs> well, you have something to trade in? Yeah, this filly I'm riding. Kind of sway back, ain't she? No, that's the latest thing in a horse. You have to step down to get on. <laughs> what do you think of her? Look, Cactus Head, you better ride on. I ain't interested. Now, look, partner. Yeah. I don't mean to cause no trouble, but I'm a warning you. You're chatting with Deadeye, the roughest, toughest hombre this side of the YWCA, YMCA. <laughs> oh, you're tough, eh? Yeah, and to prove it, I'll just empty my six-shooter and eat the bullets. Now, what? There, now I swallowed them, too. That was a silly thing to do. Yeah, I think it was. I feel like I got a little indigestion now. I hope I don't get the hiccups with them uh, bullets inside of me. Why, what would happen if you had hiccups? I don't know, but stand back. I think we're going to find out. (laughs) 
Tell me, how do I look with only one head now? <laughs> well, Indian, how about the horse deal? I think you better get that nag out of here. She's turning to glue right in front of her eyes. Oh, what are you talking about? Well, look at her stance. Look how steady she stands there. I've got news for you, Packrat. She ain't standing. Well, she's leaning against that fence. Well, that's because she's tired for waiting for us to come to turns here. Look, I'll walk her away from the fence. Come on now, now, look up a little. Move your legs, will you, girl? Come on. There. You see, she can't even stand up. Oh, sure she can. She's just a victim of regulated training. Comes five o'clock, she lays down and takes a nap no matter where she is. Now, <laughs> ah, come on, girl. Get up, get up now. Here, here, better stand back. I never know what she does, gonna do when she rears up on her knees like that. <laughs> Look at that. Ain't that a sight, brother? Now, you put a tired end in on her back, and you've got the most perfect picture of the end of the trail you ever wanted to see. <laughs> Sorry, but I'm afraid that I can't do business with you. Yeah? Well, you got to. My life depends on it. I mean, uh, she's not that bad. Why, she's one of the best quarter horses around. Yeah? We'll bring around the other three quarters, and if it's breathing, we'll make a deal. Yeah? Look, did I? Truthfully, how old is this hay burner? Well, between you and me, I should bring a nice price as an antique. I think she was with Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders. Because whenever I comb her tail... Get ready for it, folks. Here it comes. (laughs) I think she was with Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders because every time I comb her tail, she gets mad if I don't remember the mane. (laughs) So, he was with old Teddy, eh? Yeah, first lieutenant. Well, I'll tell you. I'll give you a dollar for her and that horse over there. Okay, it's a deal. Well, goodbye, old pal. Now, stop crying. <laughs> What's wrong with her? Well, all horses buck around like that. Look, 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 look at her turn. Look at that. Well, well, I've never seen her act like that before. And you won't again, either. She's dead. Dead? Not my old pal, Kim Tone. <laughs> Going to greener pastures, huh? Must have a strong union, boys. <laughs> I didn't know how much I needed her. Well, I won't be able to go on without her now. Buck up, did I? Gee, I've never seen such loyalty toward a friend. Here, let me give you a horse to fill the empty spot in your heart. Well, that's mighty neighborly of you. Why, look, she's moving. Here, here, lay down, gal. Play dead, will you? Say, she ain't dead after all. No, but she's going to be. She pulls a new trick every time I try to get rid of her. Well, I'll fix her this time. Did I? No. Put that gun back in your holster. I'm tired of her being a boss. I'm getting her own way all the time. Come on behind the barn, you four-legged ornery critter, you. What happened? Hide, man, hide. That crazy horse took the gun away from the horse. Tell what she'll do. Uh, next Monday night, September the 20th, uh, Dave Rose will produce a benefit ball at the Hollywood uh, Palladium Ballroom for the Disabled American Veterans. And now Dave will, and his Procter & Gamble Orchestra will play one of the numbers from his show, It's Magic.
Dave Rose. When you go in the store today, you see rows and rows of wash day products of all kinds. And perhaps you think they're pretty much alike. But I assure you, one is different. Tide is different from any other washing product you can buy. Procter & Gamble's Tide gets clothes cleaner than any soap, any other suds, any other kind of wash day product known. Tide leaves your whole family wash free from dirt. And Tide removes dingy soap film, too. Yet with all this terrific cleaning power, Tide is safe. Truly safe for all your washable colors. In fact, Tide actually brightens soap-dulled colors. And white things? In hardest water, Tide gets them whiter than any other washing product known. Yes, Tide is different. Even the suds look and feel different. And you get oceans of them, even in hardest water. No other wash day product known. Only Tide will give you all this. The cleanest, brightest, whitest wash you ever hung on the line. Now for a page from the Mean Little Kid's Diary. Remember how when you were a little kid, how fond you were of candy and sometimes the trouble it got us into? Well, especially if you had a sweet tooth like Junior, the Mean Little Kid. Mommy, is that you? Yes. Then it's not me, Dad. Junior. Oh, darling, what happened? Where did you get that black eye? I ran into a doorknob. Now, Junior, don't fib. I'm not fibbing. I ran into a doorknob. Widow Dickie Orland was holding it in his fist. (laughs) Have you been fighting? Yes, I have. That Widow Dickie Orland says that Grandpa was a big drunk. And you said he wasn't a drunk. I said he wasn't big. Well, young man, that black eye is going to cost you a spank. Now, hold on, kiddo. Why don't you wait until you find out about me bloody nose and the tooth I lost in the front before you start paying off? I don't like this installment plan stuff. I give up. Yeah. Do you realize that I get gray-haired every day and it's all your fault? Well, it wouldn't be if I wouldn't hide your hint of rinse. <laughs> can I go out and play? Yes, but don't go too far away because I have to clean you up before the company arrives. Okay, I don't like that. She cleaned up on me before company comes in and she cleans up on me after they leave. Are we going to have company? We're going to have company. I wonder if it's somebody I've met before. Nah, they wouldn't risk a second. (laughs) Company? Company, that means fresh peanuts and candy and all the dishes. Well, I'd better go back and take a peek in the living room again, boy. I gotta be quiet as a widow mouse. (laughs) Oh, that's silly. A rat like me disguising himself as a mouse. <laughs> I'll take a look at it. I was right. Look at the dishes all filled with candy. Oh, look at that big dish of candy there. Now, let's see. Mmm, that's good, boy. That's good. Are you having fun, candy thief? Yeah, well, come on in, but be quiet because of <laughs> mummy or grandpa might... <laughs> Me. Well, what have you to say, Junior? Well, and I... get those dirty little lunch hooks out of that candy dish. Well, I'll just take this little piece of candy that I suppose here. I said no. Oh, oh you have me, you have me. Now I'm going to tell on you. I'll wait till the company gets here and tell on you. I have nothing to hide. My life is an open book. Yeah, oh, but I got a footnote that everybody will get a kick out of. <laughs> Very well. What are you going to tell? I'll tell everybody that you was... Who was uh, handling one of the oars when, when Washington crossed the Delaware? Oh, now that's ridiculous. Oh, it is, huh? Hey, Vernon, look, the general standing up in the bow. Hey, sit down, George. You're rocking the boat. <laughs> <laughs> 
tight with you. Okay, I'll just take along something to nibble on. No, no, you don't. <laughs> Not so hard. How many times do I have to tell you to stay out of that candy dish? Well, I don't know how many pieces of candy are left in there. <laughs> can I have some? Why can't I have some? Because you'll spoil your dinner. Well, why can't I just have candy for my dinner? Because it'll spoil your supper. Look, kiddo, by the time supper comes, I will be in so much hot water, I will be sent to bed without my supper anyhow, so what do I got to lose? <laughs> I said keep out. Oh, yeah. Now, look, you give me some candy, I'm going to bang my head on the piano. Don't, don't you stop banging your head on the piano. We just had it tuned. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, she loves me like Wallace loves omelets. <laughs> Charlie is acting up because oh, I won't yeah, give him yeah, some yeah, candy. Yeah. Why can't I have some? I need, need sugar. Me little body needs sugar. Sugar builds energy. And I need energy to stand here and, and argue with you. Now, listen. I just got myself in time, boy. And I got my mouth washed out with tide. You know? down with Crisco. Junior, there was enough sugar in that piece of cake I gave you ten minutes ago. Mother! You mean to say that you gave him a piece of cake? Yeah. You admit you've been spoiling him with sweets? Well, don't just give up easy like. I made you do it at the point of a gun. You don't have to answer. I'll get Jerry Gessler. He'll get you out of there. Keep quiet. Mother, I want to know why you insist on spoiling him. Spoil? I smell this way all the time. That is the most ridiculous statement I ever heard. Now, you give him more sweets than I do. Well, I should. After all, I'm his mother. Well, we thought you wanted to keep that a secret. Spend <laughs> his affection in any manner I see fit. Yes, he should. Now, top that one, fat girl. <laughs> well, I, I gave him that cake because he was hungry. Yes. And I do it again, Yeah, please. do it now. Do it now. We'll show her. <laughs> hey, look, keep peace in the family. I'll just help myself to a widow candy and you Get find it. Get out of there, yeah, Junior. With you a minute ago, you was on my side. You get upstairs and go to your room. Ain't you gonna let me meet the company? No. These people we like. Yeah. <laughs> now go on. Okay, double cross. That's what I was. By my own grandma, too. Well, from now on, I'm a lone wolf. Goodbye, communist! Oh, oh, child. Don't let him upset you. I'm sorry I lost my temper, Mother. Oh, well, it's all right, dear. I. Oh. Look, it's gone. What's gone? The candy dish. That little rascal, he took it upstairs with him. Now, Lorene, it's up to you to take that boy in hand. Well, I intend to, Mother, but let's not frighten him. We know that he took the dish of candy. But let's be diplomatic and pretend that we don't. All right, Junior. Where is it? Where's what? Now, look, little poker face. I can't. <laughs> we want to know about that candy dish. What candy dish? Now look, young man. There were only three of us in the living room where the candy dish was. Yeah. But now the candy dish is gone. Do tell. And I think I know who took it. And I think I know who took it. And I think I know who took it. <laughs> but I hope none of us is stool pigeons. <laughs> There it is. 
under the bed. Oh, no, no. Well, what do you know? How did that get there, I wonder? I'll have to punish you, young man. <laughs> you beat me all the time. But it didn't hurt. <laughs> oh, it didn't. No, it didn't. Well, this is going to hurt you. What? Your grandmother and I are going to eat all the candy and oh. not give you any. Well, go ahead and eat it. I don't care. I just close my eyes and not watch you. How do you like that? All right. Yeah. Here, Mother, a piece of candy for oh, you. Okay. Thank you, Lorene. Not even going to look at you. Are his eyes still shut? Still shut. Hmm? Eat your candy, Mother. It looks delicious. I wouldn't. Oh, my. I can hardly wait to bite into it. Oh, good heavens. It's just like biting into a rock. Oh, my lower plate's ruined. Oh, there went my inlay. Let me see that dish of candy. Look, he filled the candy dish with rocks. That's it. I'm going to give him the whipping of his life. Now, get right back in that bed. Well, I just go to show you if you don't keep your eyes open, you're liable to feel the consequence in the end. <laughs> Thanks for being with us tonight, and we hope you liked our program well enough to be with us next week. So until next Friday... This is Red Skelton saying goodbye now, and thanks for listening, and thanks for buying more and more of that Watch Day Miracle, Tide. Tide's in. Dirt's out. Tide gets cold cleaner than any soap. T-I-D-E. Tide. Buck and Gamble invite you to join us again with Red Skelton next Friday. And now stay tuned to the life of Riley, which follows immediately. Red Skelton is heard in this program through the courtesy of Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. See you in Washington, D.C. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. has been Radio Production.